I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Now, if you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein myself and a co-host uh, take turns introducing each other to films, uh, and in this way we catch up on our cinema. Uh, so it is the month of September 2020, and uh, we do a special monthly event here on the program that we like to call Catching Up on Blu-ray. And essentially what this entails is uh, an entire episode devoted to taking a look at the uh, physical media release calendar uh, for each calendar month. Uh, so physical media meaning uh, DVDs, 4Ks, Blu-rays, things along those lines. Uh, and just uh, say a little something about any movies that catch our eye. Uh, so to help me in going through uh, the September releases, uh, I have Brad here from the Cinema Speak podcast. Say hello to the folks at home, Brad. Hello, everybody listening, and uh, Trevor, thanks again for having me on. I'm excited to talk Blu-rays and just kind of glancing at the uh, the month we're going to recap here. I think it's much stronger than uh, the last month we talked about, so I'm excited to maybe talk about some stuff that actually is uh, of interest, you know, that I might actually pick up at some point. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, last, last time around, August, uh, I feel like both of us walked away kind of like iffy as to whether we were even going to pick anything up. Yeah. It's just kind of like, you know a little bit of a barren month i mean there there's always going to be like one big like marquee release um for any given month um but yeah in general august was kind of weak <laughs> but yeah. already right out the gate like just glancing at the first week of september you can tell it's like eh, i think things are things are coming around I would say the first week of September is better than the entire month of August. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think you're wrong, Brad. <laughs> I mean, as evidenced by the fact that I actually own one of these already. Yeah. Um, I think that's one more purchase than I had from last last month. Um, yep. So, folks at home, if you want to follow along, uh, the way physical media releases generally work, uh, they come out on Tuesdays of each week. Um, so if you want to go ahead and pull up your calendar and follow along, uh, we'll list off the dates, the release dates for all these films. Um, and if you want to follow title by title, uh, we make extensive use of uh, Blu-ray.com as a resource um, for the release calendar and uh, really, really detailed reviews um, and disc specs and whatnot for each of these individual releases. Um, so to kick things off, uh, our very first uh, release week um, just so happens to fall on September 1st so that would be a Tuesday uh, and right away we have something that I think has been mentioned on both of our shows the cinema speak and the catching up on cinema podcast at least three times <laughs> <laughs> because I want to say the release date got moved around a couple of times or at least the 4k disc did um, Brad which which movie am I referencing here I think you're talking about pitch black 4k I believe yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we cuz I think uh the Blu-ray came out um like last month or something or maybe even the month before that. Um but the yeah, the 4K, I guess it must have gotten pushed, but it's odd that they didn't both debut on the same day. Kind of confusing, but um yeah, it's it's finally on 4K though, so you can pick it up. <laughs> yeah, finally 4K for Pitch Black. Um looks like it's an Arrow release as evidenced by those uh, fancy color bars at the bottom of the box. Uh, I saw this film in the theater and then never again. Uh, my memories of it are mostly positive um, in that it's one of those sci-fi slash horror films that um, really knows what kind of budget it's dealing with. It knows its limitations and it makes the most of it. Um, so there's a lot of extensive like CGI work for like the creature effects and what 
not, but as evidenced by the title, Pitch Black, um, it's all shot in intense darkness and shadows, so like most of the details are obscured. Um, it's not terribly violent or anything like that. It's not even really a proper horror film. Uh, it's more of an adventure film with some intense moments. But um, this is, of course, the uh, the genesis of Vin Diesel's Riddick character that uh, he and no one else keeps trying to make into like a franchise character. Uh, we have three different Riddick films now, um, maybe one and a half of which are good. <laughs> um, have you seen any of the others, Brad? I have not. I've been meaning to check them out, and maybe this would push me into uh, finally uh, visiting them for the first time. Although I, I will say something that maybe will push me even further to visiting them is uh, we're recording this on a pretty momentous day for Vin Diesel. Did you know he dropped his very first uh, single today? Have you taken a I listen to not. it? I did not. Yeah. No. Vin Diesel <laughs> wow. is out there. He's got a single uh, climbing up the charts. It's called Feel Like I Do. So, uh, I mean, if you're a fan of Pitch Black, I mean, you got to check it out. That should have been a special feature on the Pitch Black 4K. They should have had a music video ready to go for it. Oh, I, I bet you Arrow's real pissed. They're like, yeah. man, we, that, that, we could have moved some serious discage, man. <laughs> but that's kind of cool. Vin Diesel, like, say what you will about the man. Um, He's a curious individual. He's yeah. got he's got some interesting quirks to him that I find just entertaining enough to occasionally check out his movies. I have no hate in my heart for the man. Like I'll I'll happily watch some of his wor- like worse movies, but mm-hmm. um like if you look at his his past, uh, he has some interesting little hiccups in there. Like like there's that breakdancing tutorial video or whatever yeah. that he made in the 90s. Classic, classic. Um I think he, yeah, he was like doing toy advertisements and stuff like that. Um, and then he made some sort of independent short film that was actually kind of insightful and interesting, where it's about him um, going to, he's playing an actor in the short film. Um, and it's about him going to multiple auditions, um, acting as very various different like racial stereotypes, like ethnic stereotypes. Um, oh boy. basically like winking at the audience as to the fact that like he has that kind of look to him that Hollywood especially nowadays is desperately seeking where it's like oh like we can cast him in anything and maybe he'll pass the eye test maybe we can <laughs> get away with that so yeah. it's about him like leaning into that where it's okay. like I you know as an actor this is a, a tool for me but also for like a, a personal identity for him um, it's just kind of been something that's hung over him in some ways yeah um but yeah and then there's like i think like cell phone videos of him singing in clubs and stuff and like he clearly is in in touch with his emotional side and i appreciate that so (laughs) i'll have to listen to his album because he i know he likes to sing but i don't know if he actually can um yeah and sometimes that makes it more entertaining (laughs) I, i will say uh full disclosure i did not get to check out his new song today um I meant to check it out on my lunch break and totally forgot. But uh, when we're done recording, I'll take a listen to it and I can I can report back later how it is. I will do the same. Thank, yeah. <laughs> thanks for letting me know. I probably wouldn't have found out about that if you hadn't said anything. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So beside Pitch Black, um, we have a, a really big release um, for me personally, and I, I would assume you as well, um, Beetlejuice on 4K. Um, this would be kind of the, the movie that, put tim burton on the map it wasn't his first film um but it was the one that made all the fucking money um and ensured that tim burton would continue to get gigs um for the foreseeable future and pretty much just 
changed the Hollywood landscape forevermore. Um, I think you mentioned last time we talked that uh, you watched Beetlejuice quite a bit as a kid, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the VHS I had uh, on repeat quite a lot when I was growing up. Yeah, um, I didn't get to it until like a little bit later. I was probably like 11 or 12 when I first saw it. But yeah, uh, Beetlejuice is special. Um, I really enjoy it. Uh, Danny Elfman's score is absolutely wonderful. Uh, Michael Keaton's on point. I love that you have Gina Davis and uh, uh, Alec Baldwin. Um, Both, you know, like their exterior, you would expect them to be kind of like boring, you know, (laughs) because they're like both like conventionally attractive young actors and whatnot. But just the fact that they're in this movie at that point in their careers kind of suggests this like, you know, I bet they're kind of cool outside of like when they're off the clock. I bet bet they're kind of cool people. (laughs) Like just that they're willing to do Beetlejuice at that point in their career. Yeah. Alec Baldwin, I don't even, where, what was Alec Baldwin's career like at this point? I don't even really know. I think he was still like, he had yet to really launch as far as I know. Yeah. Um, but by the time you get to the mid '90s, he was like the hot Baldwin. <laughs> like there, there was like Billy who never quite hit his stride, but kept getting gigs. And then there was the false Baldwin, the Adam Baldwin, who's not actually a Baldwin, but people you know lump in in there every once in a while. And then there's the the fat Baldwin, uh, Daniel, uh, the coke bloat Baldwin, uh, and then Stephen. Uh, biodome yep. baldwin <laughs> yep. Yep. but in the 90s like for a hot minute there alec was like the hot baldwin and he was doing like the shadow and like what was it hunt for red october and stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah so, yeah um in 88 though i don't know that he was like a, a marquee name like mm-hmm. just looking at the cover of beetlejuice it's like i'm looking at michael keaton's crotch and only his name is on the box. <laughs> so it's like there's a, it's a movie with a really stacked cast, actually. Yeah, like, yeah mostly it's, character it's actors, but yep. like yeah. there's some pretty heavy hitters in there in terms of talent, uh, not so much like marquee value. But um, yeah, I gobbled that one up right away. Uh, so that that's the 4K I mentioned um, that I already purchased as of time of recording. Um, it it's gorgeous, Brad. Um, if, yeah. If you still if you're if you're anxious to revisit Beetlejuice, um, maybe make a date night or something because uh, the the 4K disc is pretty solid. I've been meaning to. It's been a while since I've watched it, and uh, I I think I've got be- I've been bitten by the Beetlejuice bug. Try saying that ten times fast, but yeah, it's just I don't know. Partly the 4K and just I don't know. I've just been in the mood for it, and I love the cover. The cover of it looks great too. So I mean. It's a win-win all around. Yeah. Um, also, kind of funny. Um, I think I mentioned this the last time we spoke that uh, uh, I I watched the Beetlejuice cartoon quite a bit when I was a kid, uh, probably before I saw the movie, uh, just like the Ghostbusters cartoon. And uh, funny enough, it's uh, like one of the special features on the disc is three episodes of the cartoon. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I might actually watch those just for like you know nostalgia and whatnot. Oh, definitely. Yeah, you'll get you'll get a nostalgia kick out of that. It might be cringy. <laughs> like it might be cringy as fuck, but uh, it could be fun. So we'll see. Um, but beside Beetlejuice, uh, we have another high-profile 4K release. Uh, that would be The Goonies from 1985. Um, I wish Kyle was on this recording because it's almost a running gag. It is a running gag on the Catching Up on Cinema podcast that uh, Kyle likes to beat me up over the fact that I have not seen The Goonies. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I will say I recently rewatched the Goonies at the drive-in, and uh, 
I don't know. I, I liked it, but yeah, for me, it's uh, well, I, I don't want to, you know, trash the movie or anything because it, it is a good movie. But yeah, I don't quite uh, get the, you know, obsession about it. Uh, it's a good movie. I didn't grow up with it necessarily, so that's probably part of it. Um, I'm sure a lot of people, it's a very nostalgic film, but it's never, uh, never quite hit in the same way that, uh, you know, something like uh, Beetlejuice has, I guess. But um. So I probably won't be picking this one up anytime soon. Um, well, I mean, come Black Friday, we'll we'll talk, but we'll talk later. But <laughs> <laughs> Brad is not an unreasonable man. <laughs> but... I'm just thinking, like, you know, when would I rewatch The Goonies? It's probably going to be years, years, because I just rewatched it. But you know, Black Friday, if it's you know 14.99, I'd probably I'd probably pick. <laughs> Well, I mean, contrary to what the theme song says, apparently the Goonies are not good enough. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think the way, the way uh, Kyle uh, explained it to me was it, it's a little bit of a you had to have been there movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I think now that I'm in my 30s, um, not having seen the Goonies, watching it today, uh, it's probably just not going to resonate the way it would have if I was a child when I saw it. Um Although, you know, it does call into question, like, could it be fun to, like, watch with your own kids? Not that I have any right now, but, like, in the future, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, yeah the, the the Goonies is, is just going to remain one of those just blank spots in my uh, 80s movie pool. Um, so I'm, I'm not in too much of a hurry to see it, but someday I'll get to it. Yeah, well, you know, eventually you got to fill in that blind spot, but, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say it's... It's a must watch. Um, yeah, just wait until you have a kid, man. Just then you guys can watch it together for the first time. That'd be a nice memory. Eh, maybe we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so, Brad, uh, maybe you know because I don't. Um, but we have two more 4K releases um, on September first. That would be the uh, was it Guy Ritchie Sherlock Holmes films? Um, yeah, yeah, both of them. Um, is this their debut on the format on 4K? I believe it is. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not crazy about these films. Um, I saw the first one in theaters, wasn't crazy about it. Uh, I think I rented the second one and I might have fallen asleep partway through it. Um, so, yeah, probably won't be picking these up on 4K. But, um, yeah, I do believe it is their uh, debut on the format. Oh, okay. Um, I I only saw them both once, one apiece. Um I mostly liked them as far as I know, uh, but they felt very disposable, like as evidenced by the fact that I only watched them once each. Um, I know Kyle actually has been clamoring uh, for for a threequel, for a for a, a trilogy, uh, and you know honestly, if they made it, I would watch it. I'm one of those people that's like if you if you put a capstone on the thing, sure, I'll 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 show up, even if I don't exactly love the other two. I had enough fun that I'll show up. So. Um, I don't know, like maybe if these discs do well, uh, maybe that'll, you know, lend some momentum to, you know, the possibility of there being a third one. But uh, for now, as far as I know, I, I haven't heard any rumblings about that. Yeah, um, I'm kind of shocked they didn't make a third one. I'm trying to pull up the uh, the second one's box office because I know the first one was like a huge hit. I mean, it was right after Iron Man, so that certainly helped. But, uh, well, <sighs> tinfoil hat. Uh, <laughs> tinfoil hat theory here uh, these were Warner Brothers films and Iron Man is a Marvel Disney film mm-hmm. um, and both of these films came out in 2009 and 2011 
Um, quite a few things happened, um, both immediately before and immediately after <laughs> um, those dates, um, many of which probably would have kept uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s schedule on lock. Um, so this has come up before on the podcast. Uh, this could have been a scheduling thing where Disney just like shackled him to Iron Man um, and said, "Well, you're too busy, Bob. You can't. You can't go make another Sherlock." <laughs> it's like, "Oh, I guess I'm busy playing with my swimming pool of money." <laughs> yeah, he was busy, but he uh, he had to come out of uh, you know the Marvel universe to make Doolittle. That's what uh, you know. That's what the big thing was. Finally, they got him. He got out of the contract because he had to make Doolittle. <laughs> well, yeah, it was probably just like a little stipulation or something in the contract where it's like, we need you for like 30 more days. <laughs> it's like, could you do us one more solid? It's like, fucking fine. <laughs> could sure. you put on the worst accent you could possibly come up with for this character? I have heard some shit about that movie, um, yeah. such that I, I'm kind of curious to check it out, even though I've heard some shit. <laughs> yeah. Um,. I, it's another one I watched at the drive-in. It was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. It, it was paired with uh, Trolls World Tour, and uh, Trolls came out on top. So, I mean, there, that's, I think that's all you need to know. Oh, man, that is a one-two punch to the <laughs> sack. <laughs> um, so, moving on, though, uh, we have a movie that I am not familiar with, but the cover art is very striking, um, and the uh, the disc publisher... Uh, Synapse Films is uh, they're they're kind of on a roll as of late. Uh, so this would be the Living Dead at Manchester Morgue from 1974. Um, I don't know this film, but uh, whoever put together this package has a lot of love for it. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I don't know anything about the movie either, and I didn't even know it was a uh, Synapse until I clicked on it here. But I do like Synapse quite a bit. They always put out quality releases, so got me a little interested. Um, I do feel like the cover feels like it's almost trying to trick people into thinking it's uh, somehow an Evil Dead movie. Because first glance, I was just like, oh, that's just an Evil Dead re-release. Scroll on down. And no, no, it's its 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 own thing. But um, yeah, I mean, Synapse is is great. Their uh, Suspiria releases are top-notch. Yeah, uh, I mean, I've never seen Suspiria. um, And I'm I'm not exactly like a horror horror fan when it comes to purchasing films uh, i certainly enjoy watching them but for whatever reason i don't own many of them um but even i was looking at that suspiria 4k and thinking to myself dang that that might be the fucking way to get into it <laughs> like yeah. really handsome package mm-hmm. um but moving on down here brad uh what else catches your eye well, uh, one thing that caught my eye that I won't be watching because I looked into it is Rogue with Megan Fox. Um, got to tell you, this cover, I think it's a good cover because it almost got me to watch it. I thought it was like you've got Megan Fox and there's a lion like snarling on the cover. I thought this was going to be like a crawl movie, but with Megan Fox and a lion. And I got real excited. I was like, this is going to be great. And then I looked into it, and it's actually some sort of military action movie in the desert. And I'm sure there's some lion involved, but it might be more of a... Uh, I guess it does say they, they try to fight off kidnappers and wild animals, but all the images I saw on IMDb, I didn't see didn't see many wild animals, so kind of lost my interest there. So I probably won't check that one out. 
Yeah, uh, I had my eye on this movie as well. And I actually heard it was better than you'd expect. Really? Um, which really shocked me <laughs> because I, I watched the trailer for it. I read up on it a little bit. Um, everything about this cover art, and it's confirmed um, upon closer inspection, made me think Lionsgate. Um, Lionsgate and Saban, uh, Saban Films, uh, they they have the like uh, dad revenge thriller subgenre on lock where it's like, uh, take aging uh, action star, put them in a, a Taken style thriller or something, or just some sort of low budget like tooth and nail action film. Uh, usually the cover just consists of them, like their face, maybe a gun, and usually the title is a single word. Um, everything about it just screamed Lionsgate and Orsabon, and it's probably exactly that. <laughs> and sure enough, yes, this is a Lionsgate film. Um, but yeah, uh, for me personally, I I was more intrigued by the animal attack aspect of it um, than you know the fighting the African warlord aspect mm-hmm. of it. Um, it's a genre mashup in that way. Um, the trailers had some really nasty CGI for the lions. Um, I'm hoping that the movie doesn't have too many shots of that because if that's if that's how they're trying to sell the movie, that usually you want to put your best foot forward. <laughs> um, and they it certainly looked raggedy as fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've heard it's not awful. Um, this is the equivalent of like a, a red box rental for me. Um, Megan Fox unfortunately does absolutely nothing for me. Um, on any level <laughs> so so that's mostly what's keeping me away from it but uh when i first heard about it I, it caught my eye also similar to you i was thinking about like crawl and just yeah i like animal attack movies oh, <laughs> i love it love it yeah i like animals attacking people in movies it's <laughs> like my favorite subgenre. <laughs> yeah I, yeah the, the pool if, if you want to check out uh not a good one but the pool where the guy Get stuck in an abandoned pool with a crocodile. That one's uh, that one's kind of fun. Uh, definitely some bad CGI in that one as well. But you know, kind of sometimes just got to put up with it for the genre. Yeah, animal attack movies aren't what they used to be because of CGI and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like like when you had a big rubbery crocodile or alligator or something, um, like a big ugly prop that for whatever reason the director decides to put front and center on camera as often as possible that's when you're having a good time yeah uh, but when you have like people rolling around being attacked by an invisible alligator <laughs> like like a prop that's not there interacting with anybody then takes you out of it just a little bit although crawl was pretty fucking good crawl was great crawl in the last you know decade or so i'd say is the height of the animals attack genre i'm trying to think of some other ones uh, the recent. shallows the shallows is surprisingly good the shallows um, was it, good i think i liked crawl more but the shallows was good they're both cheesy in exactly the same way mm-hmm. <laughs> like even even their plots are very similar like yeah. where yeah where you have the girl going to the beach um like in remembrance of her mother or whatever and like doing emotion having emotional warfare with a shark and then sure enough crawl you have the the not so great swimmer gal having to channel her swimming abilities to to battle the alligators and stuff it's it's a very interesting connection but both of those movies i find thoroughly enjoyable but yeah i would give the nod to crawl yeah but yeah more animal attacks hollywood (laughs) i i will watch them no matter how shitty they are i will eat them up you've got a guaranteed purchase for me so well, I mean, we have The Shallows, we have Rogue, we have Crawl. Let's let's make a movie called Mall. 
and, <laughs> and have it be about like a a boar or a or a bear or something. And yeah, and there there has to be at least one mauling in the film. Otherwise, you're cheating your audience. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be false advertising for sure. Yeah. Okay, so uh, bouncing on down the list here, uh, we have re-releases and stuff. Um, generally, we don't go into too much detail about re-releases unless they're you know high profile or things that are particularly special to us. But um, one that I'm I'm going to ask you about uh, because I know it's only slightly by reputation, but I'm hoping you know more is uh, Blood Quantum. Uh, are you familiar with this? Uh, mostly by reputation. Um, I know it's a Shutter original. This is the one about the uh, the Native Americans, right? Is, is that what? Am I getting this right, or is it that is a different Shutter original? I believe, uh, yeah. This is the one about the Native Americans and the zombie. They fight off the zombies. Um, that's about all I know about it. But um, I think uh, I've heard it's pretty good. Um, and I I do like the cover a lot. I just have not gotten around to checking it out. But yeah, I believe it's like. Um, a Native American reservation having to fend off a zombie horde or something like that. So, yeah, uh, I I don't know if it's Native Americans or just indigenous peoples of some nation. I'm not sure. That could, which, that could but... be it. Yeah, <laughs> it might may, might um, be a Canadian film actually. Yeah, I um, don't know. But I've I've heard it's I've heard it's very good, and I've heard there's there's layers to it. Um, I don't have a Shutter subscription any longer, but this was one that I remember when it came out got some pretty positive buzz. Uh, so maybe something to check out. They they put the uh, certified fresh stamp on it, so you know it's worth your time. Oh yeah, definitely <laughs> worth picking up. <laughs> definitely. But yeah, I, I have heard good things about it. So yeah, maybe I'm hanging on to my Shutter uh, subscription at least through Halloween. So maybe I will check it out at some point. Well, keeping the Shutter train rolling here, uh, we have another Shutter original that's being put out on Blu-ray. That would be Z. Um, I think I sent a trailer of this to Kyle and just like sent him like an emoji, just like a yay or nay kind of face, <laughs> like, like what do you think? And he was like, eh, it looks interesting. <laughs> like, not ex- yeah. super excited for it, but it looks good enough, I guess. <laughs> Definitely seemed like it's kind of uh, aping off of the Babadook and the success of that to a certain extent. Um, but, I, I mean, this one did get some good reviews, and at some point I was kind of pitching it as a potential review on our show, but uh, no one ever bought. No one ever took the bait, so it's uh, it's, it's come and gone now. <laughs> oh, well. I mean, it's still going to be there, so you can always go back to it. But um, I may check it I out on see my why. own. Yeah. I, I, I can see why people would be, you know, kind of hesitant, because you're right, I did get, like, a Babadook uh, vibe from it. Only difference was um, it didn't look as polished. Um, and mm-hmm. if that's how you're trying to sell me on a movie, that's not how to do it. Where it's like, it reminds me of something else that looked way better. <laughs> yeah, it's also very short. It's only like 80-some minutes. So I was kind of Whoa. like, you know, for a, to do a full review on, there might not be a ton there to dig into, really. Which, I mean, it might be, you know, so short and sweet as a watch, which is nice. But uh, certainly made it a little tougher to, like, convince somebody to say, hey, let's, you know, spend an hour talking about this thing here. See, that should have been the selling point for getting one of your buddies on the show. Like, yeah. hey, it's only 80 minutes. <laughs> Less than an hour and a half. <laughs> All right, if it's only 80 minutes, I guess I'll watch it. Yeah. It's like, okay, Brad. It's like, does that include credits? It's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's only 74 minutes. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. That's right. Um, so I'll give you the next pick, Brad. Uh, what, what else jumps out at you here? 
Um, well, there's one movie that uh, did sort of the uh, the COVID release where it did a premium VOD. came out where you could rent it for 20 bucks, and that is uh, Irresistible with Steve Carell and Rose Byrne. And uh, I feel like this is one of the you know premium VOD releases that it did not work out well for because I have not heard a single person talk about this film, even though you know it's got a pretty good cast and it's directed by John Stewart. Not saying that John Stewart is a uh, you know an auteur filmmaker, but he's you know a well-known celebrity, and you would think if this had come out, it would have gotten some traction in a, any other year. Some people would have gone and seen it and talked about it, especially with it being a, an election year, and I believe it is a political movie. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if this is good. I don't know if it's bad. I don't know. Quite frankly, I don't even know if I believe it exists because it seems like it came to VOD and nobody talked about it. It came to Blu-ray. Nobody's talked about it. I might have to pick this up just to have proof that this is a real thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. This, this was a fart in the wind. Um, yeah. I, it, uh, it came and went and nobody seemed to give, give a shit. Uh, and it's kind of shocking, uh, given that it has a stacked cast. Um, I feel like John Stewart like used all, called in all the favors he could. Basically, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> I want to oh, say yeah. the timing was probably the the biggest culprit, honestly, because if I remember right, like we were kind of in the thick of the shit um, when this came out, um, and everybody was probably just really disheartened and or distracted, um, and. I guess it just didn't find an audience, or if, or if it did, um, it didn't generate any buzz. Uh, so yeah, uh, it seemed it seemed like a really timely film, like something that people people would probably be grasping for. It would yeah. probably resonate with a lot of people, but it just apparently didn't find an audience. Yeah, I think part of it is you know when you're thinking, okay, we're gonna rent a movie at home for twenty dollars. You're probably wanting something you know like a Trolls that you can watch with the family or. I don't know, something that's not a political film. I mean, you know, it, it, it is good timing being an election year, but maybe people are just so burnt out between COVID and the election that it, this was just maybe just, just too much. Even though I think it is a humorous take on politics, it might have just been like, you know, if I'm going to be at home, I can just turn on the news and get, you know, craziness rather than renting this John Stewart movie with Steve Carell. So that might have hurt it as well, a little harder to get people to bite on it. Yeah, there are just too many, too many serious issues going on, um, even right now. There's just too much shit in the air right now to the point that's like, you know what? Maybe, maybe folks just aren't ready to laugh at it just yet because it's still there. (laughs) So, um, yeah, right idea, just wrong circumstances. Um, So maybe it's a good movie. I have no idea. (laughs) I do like Mackenzie Davis a lot, though. I did not know she was in it, so my interest has skyrocketed. Uh, she's she's a very talented actress uh, she is she is like approaching like selling point status for me yeah um, not but not quite but but you know i take notice i'm like oh mackenzie <laughs> like, I, I know you're not a big tv guy but the tv show she was on halt and catch fire pretty great tv show and she's very good in it that's kind of where i uh first took note of her so well around the time like uh, I think Blade Runner came out. I started making the joke. I make this joke with many actors, um, up and comers, where uh, some I, I basically throw it out there. It's like somebody's agent is putting in some overtime because, like, she got The Martian, she got like Terminator, she got Blade Runner, she got all these mega high profile like roles in in 
movie after movie after movie. It's like, and oftentimes she was in small roles, but just in in the biggest movies that would get all manner of eyeballs put on you. Um, so yeah, I expect she's going to be in quite a lot more. In fact, I think she has a, a rom com uh, due out around the Christmas time. Can't wait! I, I'll be there day one. Uh, I think it's her and uh, Kristen Stewart. Really? Oh, I'm yeah, I'm I, definitely in. <laughs> okay, we know what Brad's doing this Christmas. I'm excited. <laughs> what is this called? I don't know the title. I just remember seeing an article, like just a little blip about it. But it, yeah, it's her and I think Kristen Stewart, and it looks like you know prototypical uh, you know holiday rom com. Uh, so, like I said, we know what Brad's doing this Christmas. I am pumped. It's called Happiest <laughs> Season, and I will be having my happiest season when this movie comes out. I'll tell you that much. Okay. <laughs> good to know uh, so moving along uh, we have many 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 re-releases um, one thing that we don't touch on too often on our catching up on blu-ray episodes is anime um, not not because we have any stigma or anything towards that subgenre, but um, just there's so much of it uh, and I've been out of the anime game for so many years now that I, I just don't know what's what's a big deal and what's not um, so it's just not worth the waste of breath to try to cite everything that comes out. The one that I will point out, though, is uh, Gundam Build Divers. Um, because, uh, holy shit, in the quarantine, Brad, I don't know what you've been doing to pass the time. Uh, but I got back into building uh, Gundam model kits. Something I haven't really done since I don't even know when. Uh, but, man, I've been having a grand old time building my little robots. <laughs> I'm very fortunate to have a girlfriend that will put up with that. But, um, yeah, that's how I've been passing the time, podcasting and building robots. Um, and this uh, anime series is essentially like a meta commentary on that, where it's like it's about people building the model kits, and then it's like Pokemon but with model kits. Oh, okay, all right. Um, I haven't actually watched it, but I have shit i probably have the model that's featured on the cover <laughs> so um i i'm a fan but i i circle around it i don't actually watch the fucking stuff i just buy the toys yeah um, you'll get there one day don't worry you'll yeah give, give it time <laughs> you'll get in too deep eventually. depending on how time. long this pandemic goes on you'll you'll get there don't worry you'll get there. oh yeah you'll, you'll find me buried <laughs> under a whole bunch of uh plastic trees <laughs> that's how i'm gonna die i'm gonna have yeah. a tidal wave of plastic trees fall on top of me um but brad uh balls to you um what uh what other titles jump out of you anything for the remainder of the week i think for that week that's about everything um yeah that's that's pretty much all i'm seeing all right well let's bounce on down to the next week uh, that would be september 8th uh and as is the custom, uh, we have the 4K titles listed up front. Uh, so we have the Alfred Hitchcock Classics Collection from 1954 to 1963. Um, dang. Uh, has many of his classics. It's, the title represents him well. Um, I don't know that I would own that personally, um, but Mr. Hitchcock has made many a great film in his, his storied career. That is for certain. Um, beside that, we have Ghost in the Shell uh, on 4K. Uh, this would be the 1995 uh, anime film, uh, which we covered on the Catching Up on Cinema podcast. Uh, have you seen this, Brad? I have. I watched it for the first time when the live-action version was coming out, so I would have 
at least some sense of what I was, you know, talking about when I reviewed it. Oh, oh, yeah. No, nobody knows anything about Ghost in the Shell. Trust me. <laughs> like, you think you know things about Ghost in the Shell? I assure you, you do not. Um, uh, it's it's too big for its own good. It it it's sprawling, and uh, the film was directed by Mamoru Oshii, and he uh, he likes to do a lot of navel gazing. Um, a lot of his films are packed with uh, just like philosophical musings and stuff, and I. Uh, as far as I know, he didn't even originate the original manga that the anime was based on. Uh, he just kind of took the reins of the film and made it his own thing. And uh, funny enough, my ol- my only exposure to the whole franchise has been uh, both of the films that he directed, the animated films. But there have been like subsequent television series, like animated series, many of them uh, that are apparently like closer to the source material. Only thing is, I don't know those. <laughs> I only, I'm a fan of him, not the franchise, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Um, but I, I think this is a gorgeous film. Um, it's like I said, I'm not a fan of the franchise to be sure, but uh, it's, it's a really beautiful film, and I really like his style. Um, so I might actually pick this up. I didn't see that live action movie though. I heard again some shit about it. Uh, is that about accurate, Brad? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't good. I do think um, a lot of the—I don't want to say a lot of it—but there was certainly, you know, criticism with just the casting of Scarlett Johansson. Um, and I think maybe a lot of people might have just written it off because of that. Uh, you know, what, whether that's fair or not, I mean, that's up to the viewer to decide. I, I mean, I thought it had its—it uh, had some moments. I thought there were some interesting visuals. I don't remember much about it. I do own it on 4K, but. You know, so there was at least something there that I was like, ah, maybe I'll revisit this. But um, yeah, I uh, I would say I I prefer the original from what I remember. But the main reason I liked the original was mostly just because of the visuals, which I thought were great. Um, but even that one, I don't remember much from besides that. Yeah, I I mean, I'm a fan of the film, and I'm I'm right there with you. I I I find that I end up describing a lot of the animated films that I like, especially Japanese ones. I end up describing them as like look and feel films where it's like, you know, I couldn't tell you like a line of dialogue or even like a really decent summary of the plot off the top of my head. Um, but I know how I feel when I look at it. Um, and really sometimes that's all you need. And ghost in the shell is a really good example of that. I, mm-hmm. the plot is kind of confusing uh, the characterization is barely there. Like, the, the, if you're looking for ca- good characters in your film, you're not going to find them there. Um, but yeah, it's just so beautiful to look at. And the soundtrack, the score by Kenji Kawaii is truly extraordinary stuff. Um, but yeah, the, the live action movie, I remember there was that controversy about the casting. And I did think it was funny that, like, the. I. A lot of, a lot of Japanese critics and just, like, Japanese people spoke out and said, like, I don't have a problem with her. (laughs) I'm actually kind of honored that, you know, a big ass, like big name star, like Scarlett Johansson would, would take this role. (laughs) Um, And And, also like the part of the plot is it's about transhumanism. um, Yeah. Where ethnicity and stuff like that, even the characters, as far as I know, um, in more recent iterations of the story, they're referred to as just like the major, like in this iteration, they have a name. It's Motoko Kusanagi. Um, but in later iterations, I think they're explicitly referred to as 
the major because their physical self isn't as important as their essence. Yeah, I, I will say I don't remember exactly how it goes down, but I think there is almost a direct acknowledgement of that fact that she is, you know, you know, that it's a white woman in that role. And it's kind of acknowledged with the fact of her being in that culture. Um, but uh, again, I don't remember too much, but maybe I should pick up the uh, original anime because uh, if anybody comes over and sees that I have the live action version and not the original, I might get beat up. So I might have <laughs> <laughs> you'll get some judgmental looks cast your way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, for what it's worth, uh, what I saw of like promotional material and stuff for the live action one, it did look visually kind of, kind of stunning at times. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, some of those shots look pretty cool. Um, so I, I've haven't heard much good about, it, but I, I still might check it out someday. Um, but moving on down the list here, uh, we have a Arrow release here of Graveyards of Horror or or of Honor, excuse me. Um, so this is I want to say some. Yakuza films. Uh, looks like it's a series from 1975 to 2002. Um, Takashi Miike and Kinji Fukusaku. Uh, b- heavy hitters in the world of like kind of off the beaten path Japanese cinema. Um, not so much Takashi Miike these days. He's like the most mainstream um, and somehow not director they have going these days. Um, but that could be interesting. Um, beside that, we also have Superman Man of Tomorrow on 4K. The only reason I bring this up, uh, because most of these uh, DC animated uh, films are, you know, trash. <laughs> um, I've actually heard some pretty positive things about this one. Um, and I did watch, like, the trailer for it. And it looked like they changed up the animation style such that Superman looks almost like Archer-esque in a few shots, <laughs> which is a little distracting. Um, but I've heard it's actually surprisingly good. Um, but beside that, we have our first Criterion release of the month. That would be The Naked City from 1948. Uh, this is a title that uh, I'm aware of. Uh, the name carries a lot of weight, but unfortunately I haven't seen the film, uh, nor do I have any plans to jump out and go buy it or anything like that. But definitely a recognizable title um and then we have a a movie that i think you've mentioned is something you might want to cover for your show um first cow 2019 am, am i right in saying that yeah i've been i've heard really good things about this and i definitely will be watching it before the end of the year um because it could definitely be some top 10 material um but uh we haven't gotten around to reviewing it it's the type of thing where it's you know a very quiet sort of indie drama and you know getting you know my friends like uh, you know oh do you want to review first cow they're gonna be like uh, what the hell is that it's, it's kind of hard to sell them on it but it's from kelly uh Wrightheart, if that's how you say her name and she's done a few other things that have gotten acclaim i know her last movie was certain women um i have not seen any of her films unfortunately but i know she's held in pretty high regard um meek's cutoff is another big one that she did um and yeah, I've heard this is quite good, so I, I do plan on checking it out at some point. I believe it is an A24 uh, release, and it was kind of like it was supposed to come out in like March or April of this year, and they kept kind of pushing it, ho- hoping they could do a theatrical, and eventually they just went VOD. But um, yeah, I do uh, plan on checking this out. Well, I look forward to it because um, the director's name doesn't ring a bell at all, um, 
but it sounds like you're pretty familiar with their work. Um, so, you know, part of listening to podcasts for me is learning about things I don't know about. So this will this will be an interesting one if you end up covering it for me anyway. Um, don't don't count on learning anything from me, but uh, I'm glad I can bring it to your attention. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, maybe leave out the uh, the indie part of it when you're trying to pitch it to your your buddies. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> like how much cow, how much ukulele uh... am I going to get in this, Brad? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so beside first cow, we have another Criterion release that would be Brute Force from 1947. It's a burnt Lancaster film. Uh, Moving on down, uh, uh, we have another Lionsgate film. I can tell just from the cover, Brad. I'm going to make a prediction. I'm looking at the cover for Retaliation from 2017, and I'm going to call it right now without clicking on it. This is a Lionsgate film. It is a Lionsgate film. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow I knew. You know, this trend, I I I I can't believe I never noticed it, but as soon as you said we've got a... Lionsgate film. I looked right at that and I was like, "Oh, it's Retaliation." I mean, yeah, you can spot on. I, I'm to be fair. I think they've used that font before, uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I can spot a Lionsgate at, at twenty paces. <laughs> um, so bopping on down, uh, we have an Arrow release for something called Con- the Comic from 1985. Is this one familiar to you at all? It looks like no. it should be, but I don't know it. Yeah, I don't either, but I love the cover. Um, yeah, I don't know any. I don't know anybody in this movie. I yeah. Uh, yeah, it's com- it's a complete mystery to me. But yeah, the color palette and like the the panel styling of it, it's it's a well composed cover. Um, so very striking art. Uh, Arrow Arrow does that from time to time. Yeah. Oh yeah, they can sell you just because of that. I mean, um, I mean covers covers are important, man. I I kind of miss that about shopping. Like yeah, like, cover art really really isn't a lost art in some ways. And when yeah. you, when you see it. When you see it done well out in the wild, it, it puts a good feeling in you. But um, moving on down, uh, we have uh, the kings of uh, direct-to-video, Ron Perlman and, I believe, Vinnie Jones <laughs> in The Big Ugly. Uh, yeah, I was right. That is Vinnie Jones's eyebrows. Um, yeah, uh, I'm sure that's crap, but it might have at least one, one punch thrown in anger, um, which is usually enough to pique my interest but i'm sorry um both y'all are just a little bit too old and a little bit too slow because last time i saw vinnie jones in an action role holy shit he was doubled in like every action scene where it's like wow vinnie got really short in that shot (laughs) like wow his hair changes from shot to shot (laughs) it's like he was really distracting but you know we all got to get old sometime and you know i guess vinnie doesn't want to break a hip or something um, it's inevitable. <laughs> but uh, speaking of striking covers, uh, we have something called Vitalina Varela from 2019 from Grasshopper Film. Um, mm. Not a distributor that is known to me, but uh, I like what they did with the cover here. Yeah, um, I, I like the cover, and it looks like the case is clear, which is always a plus for me. Um, but yeah, this looks like uh, something I've never heard of from a distributor I've never heard of. I mean, this is like... If you really want to seem cool, you got to pick up Vitalina Varela because, I mean, you are going to be like just – you don't even have to watch the film. Just say that you own this film, and you'll you'll outclass everybody in your, uh, you know, in your Blu-rays monthly collector's club. Put it this way. If being able to tell people you've probably never heard of it 
um, is really important to you, Vitalina Varela, go for it. <laughs> um, uh, so I don't think I see anything else for this week, but uh, I will just throw it out there that uh, Prodigal Son, the complete first season, um, I have not seen a, a frame of this, but apparently my girlfriend absolutely loves it. Yeah. Um, so, so I I expect someday I will be subjected to this. She has warned me. Um, she likes her damaged boys. I'm not one of them, Brad. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, apparently this show is her crack. <laughs> okay. Seems like it's kind of reminds me a little bit of Hannibal. It's a serial killer show, is it not? <sighs> yeah, I think it's about like uh, the son of a serial killer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he grew up, it's it's like what, uh, frailty or whatever. Where it's like the kid who grew up with the monster. Um, mm-hmm. And now he's dealing with the emotional baggage that comes with that all stuff that i'm obviously in a hurry to get to (laughs) but um anything else though for the remainder of the week uh i don't know if it specifically came out this week or if it's just another re-release but i will mention the uh hbo film bad education um which i uh watched and reviewed uh, starring hugh jackman which i liked quite a bit um stars uh he's a superintendent who sort of gets mixed up in a uh embezzling money school scandal and uh you know it's kind of humorous kind of you know biting uh it's from the director of the guy who did uh thoroughbreds which i think you guys covered uh did you not i want to say we we did and i now that you mention it i remember you covered this for your show Uh, yeah thanks for pointing it out the only reason i skipped it was because the cover is so shit (laughs) it's a pretty bad cover yeah yeah it's not great My, my eyes just skipped right on past it well then again it's like right next to Orlando Bloom in the Lionsgate yeah. film. So like, obviously my eyes are going to go straight to the, the angry British man with the sledgehammer yeah. <laughs> as opposed to the Dutch angle of two people sitting on bleachers. <laughs> what? What the fuck kind of cover is that? You have Hugh fucking Jackman and you you put him at distance at a Dutch angle on some bleachers on a cloudy like, fucking yeah. day? On He's a like cloudy fucking day off. with a font... Where the yeah. where the color of the font matches the sky, so I could barely fucking read it. <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, it's a that's a pretty horrendous cover. The more you look at it, you're like, yeah, this was a this was a they they dropped the ball here. Um, well, but I've heard it's a really good movie. It, it's quite good, and uh, I you know shout out to Hugh Jackman. I kind of felt bad for him. I think it was this past Sunday they had the Emmys, and he was uh, up for best actor in a limited series or TV movie. And um, for this movie, and also Mark Ruffalo nominated for the same award for I Know This Much Is True. And Jimmy Fallon, who was hosting, he opened the envelope. Uh, is it Jimmy Fallon or Kimmel? No, Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel was hosting. I always get them confused. Um, Jimmy Kimmel was hosting, <laughs> and he, he opens Jimmy. the envelope, and he goes, Oh, now we would know who would win in a fight between Wolverine and the Hulk. And you could just see, like, both of them were like, um, it's one of us. And uh, it was Mark Ruffalo. And I was like, oh, man, Hugh Jackman probably, like, felt like such a high. Like, he almost won an Emmy. And then, uh, like, that's got to, I felt pretty bad for him at that moment. Oh, Ruff Ruff Ruffalo beat Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Um, That makes me sad, too, because Hugh Jackman very, very obviously really wants a fucking Oscar. Like yeah. he really, he wants that he wants that statue so bad like mm-hmm. so bad, um, but they just they won't give it to him and he keeps yeah. trying, um, and I really like him as an actor. I, yeah, I, I will I will show up for a Hugh Jackman film. Um, 
actually, I'm really glad that you guys covered uh, Bad Education for your show because um, I don't have HBO, and I think it was a HBO film, right? Yeah, um, it was bought by HBO. Originally, yeah. it, I think it premiered at TIFF, I want to say, um, and they bought it. So Yeah, and as soon as it debuted, I was hearing some really glowing reviews of it, uh, in mm-hmm. particular pointing to his performance as a selling point. And then before that, he had... Um, I can't even remember the name, but it was that political scandal movie about, uh, it was like a, a biography or something about a politician from the yeah, 90s with the front no sideburns. <laughs> yeah, the front runner. Yeah. <laughs> with, he had a shitty haircut in it. The man got a shitty haircut for his Oscar and he still didn't get it. <laughs> I do, God you know, it. it's kind of thinking of him. So maybe, maybe it was Sundance. It was Sundance or TIFF. I can't remember which, where this movie premiered and HBO bought it for like a lot of money. And I wonder if Hugh Jackman was kind of like, man, I could have gotten nominated for an Oscar, and now the most I'm going to get is an Emmy. Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, and he didn't even win the Emmy. <laughs> yeah, he's probably real pissed. He's probably, you know, looking at the, the HGH or whatever he keeps in his freezer, and he's like, I guess we got to do Wolverine again. <laughs> yeah. Although, to be fair, Mark Ruffalo was very good in the, the TV show that he won for as well. So can't really say that it was unfair that he won but i i do feel bad for hugh jackman yeah i mean i like both of them to be honest like mark ruffalo is a wonderful actor terrible interview really good actor yeah. <laughs> terrible interview <laughs> he's awful <laughs> he's so uncomfortable <laughs> yeah uh he reminds me of uh, vincent d'onofrio in uh the breakup where his like speech cadence is like I, I believe in you. I, you can get the words out. Like you'll, you'll find them eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks for bringing that up. I I would not have noticed that that came out, and I really do want to see that. And I have a HBO like free weekend going on right now. There you which go. Which I'm I... wasting on rewatching fucking Suicide Squad for research. <laughs> I I know you got to do it, but maybe you can squeeze in bad education. <laughs> maybe we'll see. Suicide Squad is at least two hours long, but yeah. Um, Let's move on down to the next week. So we have September 15th, and right out the gate, Brad, I'll let you take the reins because I, there are two titles here that I know you either have already bought or are in a hurry to buy. I've got them sitting right here. Two new entries in the Vestron Videos Collector's Series. I'm just now seeing yeah. that uh, one of the slipcovers has got a bend in it there. But anyway. Oh, um, there goes the whole fucking weekend. I, I mean, the only there reason I buy these is for the slipcovers. But um, <laughs> we've got Shivers and Little Monsters, which um, I have seen both of them. Little Monsters, it's been a long, 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 long time. Uh, it I, might have been in a past life that I watched Little Monsters. It might have been a past life that I watched Little Monsters, that's how long ago it was. But, um, yeah, I, I do like this Vestron Collector's series of Blu-rays. Um, I mean, part of the reason I started buying them all is because, I think I've mentioned this before um, on your show, but just, you know, it was like a new line of Blu-rays where it was starting. They were releasing like one a month or one every other month, and it was like coming out at a reasonable pace. They had numbers on the spines. I can buy all these. I can have the complete collection. And so I bought some, you know, pretty trash movies that I probably would not have bought otherwise to complete the collection. And then the line was like dead for a year or a year and a half. There was like a long time with no announcements or anything, even though they kept saying like, well, we've got got more movies in the pipe. We've got more in the pipe. And then these finally got announced and came out, and this is just me speculating, but I've got a feeling 
these could be the very last of the line because when they came out, like their price was so cheap. I think it might be Lion because I think that it's, uh, Lionsgate owns the Vestron series. I think they might just be saying, "Let's just get like, we we've got these Blu-rays already pretty much all made up. Let's just slash the prices. Let's get rid of this. Kill this line. Put these move Blu-rays out so these fans can stop emailing us and shut up about it." Um, so I don't know, but I got them for super cheap. But like the other ones, you know, you'd be lucky. Seventeen ninety nine would be like the cheapest you'd find them, and I got these for like. 10 bucks each or something i mean wow. i pre-ordered them on amazon and they were dirt cheap for new releases yeah. uh, debut price damn yeah uh, that that reeks of like liquidation or something like you said yeah so um, i'm a little worried um that means they would have ended on 19 releases which i don't i i might have to just throw them all away if that's the case if they couldn't get to 20 they're one away <laughs> a, a good round number <laughs> I just oh that's so, that's so gross to me. They got to put at least I got to do some research. I've not gone on Blu-ray.com in the forums lately to find out what's going on with you know the the rumblings under in the underground Blu-ray world because you know they usually know what's going on with Vestron before anything's announced. But um, yeah, I uh, glad to have these. Uh, I do like Shivers. I've only seen it the one time, but I'm a pretty big David Cronenberg head, so uh, I'm glad to have that one and revisit that one again. Yeah, as am I. Um, in fact, Kyle uh, is kind of compiling titles for uh, his Kyle's Killer October, which oh. is a tradition on the show where he gets yep. to take creative control for the whole month of October. Um, and he's been looking through Cronenberg's catalog. Um, I'm, a, like you, a Cronenberg head, um, so a lot of it's old hat for me, but um, I'm more than happy to revisit any of his stuff. And Shivers, just on a conceptual level, I find absolutely terrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the some of the some of the stuff in there like i'm not going to spoil it but just the the basic concept and some of the images especially towards the end it's like you know if you really think about what's happening right now i i really would not want to be our protagonist um yeah that that is deeply unsettling um and little monsters like you uh it has been a hot minute since i saw it probably not since 1989 (laughs) um uh but the one thing that always stuck out to me is the movie was actually kind of scary to me um the villain of it in particular the way he's like backlit in like the monster world and like the way his head is like sunken into his body he's got like no neck basically um there's some images in little monsters that like legitimately freak me out as a kid um but yeah fred savage and howie mandel holy shit <laughs> um, and i think that was pre-bobby's world too but yeah um Moving on, though, uh, we have Roman Holiday, uh, which I think you mentioned on your show is the first time it's on Blu-ray. Yeah, at least in North America, which is kind of pretty crazy to think about. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it's a classic. Yeah, I've never seen it, um, but it's the Paramount Presents line, which, I mean, they messed up big time. they, They screwed up this line so bad. Because I was almost ready to do a Vestron and buy every single release because the spines are numbered. Here's a new line. But their uh, release of To Catch a Thief was so bad. They botched it. Like, horrendous. Like, you can go on Blu-ray.com in the forums. You can see, like, they, they cropped certain shots where and just the transfer is terrible looking. Real bad stuff. And because of that, I was like, well... I mean, truly, it's such a bad transfer that I I won't even buy it to complete the line. So I I can't I won't even buy all of them now. So now I've only bought uh, Fatal Attraction. I think is the only one that I have from that line. 
So they screwed up big time. Well, I'm I'm glad you have it in you to say fuck you. You did it. You did wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, it's it's good that you curate your collection to that extent. But yeah, it's shocking to me that this didn't come out in HD in this country until just now. Um. Mm-hmm. I mean, got two fine ass people like Audrey and Greg. Like it's like you want to see them in HD. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. It's not one that I've seen, but I know like I know it's beloved by many people. But um, yeah. Beside that, we have another film that's beloved in particular by a people of a certain age range. Uh, that would be Home Alone on 4K. Um, I was always more partial to Home Alone 2. Uh, maybe that's just me, but that's that's all I'm really going to say about that. <laughs> um, uh, beside that, we have Private Parts, um, the Howard Stern film, which I have a soft spot for. It's kind of funny because I, my own personal sense of humor is not at all raunchy. Like I, I don't make innuendos. Uh, I often readily identify innuendos but i don't actually verbally state them like i'll, I'll acknowledge them but i'll just let someone else handle that but mm-hmm. um i don't know i f- i found this movie kind of fun but um below that though we have a movie that is a curiosity um to me personally that uh, i would very much like to see someday um this would be the two jakes um, which is directed by jack nicholson and is in fact a sequel to chinatown um, I have not seen Chinatown, but I actually would really, really love to. And if I'm going to see it, I really want to see the sequel because I've heard not very good things about it. But just the fact that it's like many, many years after the fact and directed by Jack Nicholson and it's not very good. It's like, yeah, that's like everything I like in my movies. <laughs> it's like I, I like when there's a weird production history behind something. Yeah, I didn't even know this existed until it came out on Blu-ray. I got to be honest. Um I think has Jack Nicholson tried to bury this? Has he uh, has he been throwing down some some coin to get this thing buried, and he finally ran out of cash? Is that why this is finally coming out? Oh, you're talking about like a Howard the Duck type situation? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if that's the case, but I do know that it is it is one of those movies that many people forget even exists. Uh, mm-hmm. Really, the only reason I know about it is because I was doing like research, um, compiling episode ideas for the show a while back, and I stumbled across this, and I was like, oh well that's interesting <laughs> like, like nobody talks about that um but yeah chinatown is very high on my list of movies i i really ought to see um it's one of those classics that it i do actually feel bad for not having seen yeah um, it's been, it's been like, like roman holiday it's been so long for me since i've seen chinatown that it's the sort of thing where it's like i need to watch it for a second time to feel like i've seen it because i, I can't remember anything about it but i do remember thinking it was great but yeah it's been a long time um so moving on uh, we have yet another film that is beloved by people of a certain age range uh, that would be hocus pocus on 4k um i know many people who are going to buy this immediately um, many people in my age range absolutely adore this film um for whatever reason, I don't. <laughs> um, maybe maybe it's because I just didn't give it the time of day because I was fucking six when it came out and I was a, you know, a boy and I was I was mm-hmm. into Transformers and shit. So um, I think I just like did the ew girls thing to it when, <laughs> when in actuality it's like it's probably really, really good. I just didn't watch it. Um, but I know a lot of people like a lot of kids my age who did and they they love this movie. Yeah, um, I I watched it 
I don't want to say I watched it a lot as a kid, but I watched it as a kid and liked it. And uh, I was kind of one of those people that was, you know, like, oh, it's a great Halloween film. I love Hocus Pocus. And then uh, I can't remember. I was like a few years ago, I was hanging out with a friend and Hocus Pocus was on TV or we put it on and watched a little bit of it. And I got to say, I uh, that, you know, thing I'd built up in my mind of Hocus Pocus kind of came crashing down. I was not vibing with it. <laughs> Even as a kid's movie, I was like, this is not as good as I remember it being. <laughs> so maybe I was just, you know, we I was we're hanging with my friend. Maybe we were just, you know, not in the right mindset to sit down and watch something and we were kind of half watching it. But I don't know. I, I do need to revisit this because I'm kind of, I think, uh, I think it does not hold up as quite as much as I would have thought it would. But, you know, it's there's certainly a lot of nostalgia there for people and that's that's fine i think if you're in like a a campy mood that's probably the best way to approach it like if you did like a double bill with like batman and robin and this like i think that's the kind of evening you'd have to throw Um, yeah and i want to say if i watched it today i'd probably have a lot of fun with it but to be honest i don't know that i ever saw it front to back because again you girls (laughs) that's where i was at when this movie came out so uh it's not that I don't have. It's not that I don't like it or anything. It's I honestly don't think I saw it or gave it the time of day. So I, you know, if I had to watch it now, I probably, I'd probably be excited to check it out just because it has such a glowing reputation among like my f- circle friends. Um, but uh, moving on, we have uh, a movie that the only reason I throw it out there is because I think a lot of people forget it exists, and I know you guys talk about them every once in a while. Uh, Timeline, 2003, starring Paul Walker. <laughs> <laughs> we miss I didn't you, even Paul. know this exists, and we talk about him all the time. <laughs> exactly. Um, this movie was another fart in the wind. Um, it's based on like a Michael Crichton novel, apparently. Um, that my friend when it came out in theaters like he read the novel i think um and yeah uh, apparently this movie is garbage um i'm kind of shocked that they bothered to put it out on blu-ray now but maybe the the walker estate wants to you know pad their bank account or something <laughs> but uh yeah uh as far as i know it's it's nothing special uh it's it's just about you know surfer dude paul walker in a medieval time so it's a king and kid Ar- uh, king arthur's court um, but with Paul Walker <laughs> and probably more violence. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, anything Paul Walker is worth checking out at least once. So I might might, might check this out at some point. Oh, but it has Gerard Butler and David Thewlis. Uh, so now you have to see it. All right. Yeah, you sold me on the David Thewlis of it and Gerard Butler a little bit. but Gerard yeah. Butler. <laughs> <laughs> um, but moving on, uh, we have 21 Jump Street on 4K and don't have much to say about that it was fine mm-hmm. um i didn't see the second one is that any good do you know now see i i actually like the second one more i thought the second one okay. was way more meta and more clever um the first one was sort of meta but kind of more of just you know a bit of a straightforward comedy the second one they really like went into the making fun of doing a sequel to a reboot of an you know old tv show type thing and so for some people, maybe that's not your cup of tea, but I, I quite enjoyed the second one. No, I think that's the right angle to approach things mm-hmm. from, where it's like it yeah. was highly unlikely this would get a, or would warrant a sequel, so, you know, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. whatever. Uh, we have Vampire in Brooklyn. Uh, I have not seen that, but I really remember the marketing campaign for it. Uh, they, they marketed the shit out of that movie. Uh, we also have 22 Jump Street coming out on 4K. 
Um, we have Billy Xanatos in The Phantom. That would be Billy Zane to the folks at home. Um, that's a movie that's been like floating around the prospective like future episodes list for quite a while. Um, yeah, it's it's not good, but me and Kyle, or Kyle and I, let's get our English straight. Um, <laughs> uh, we happen to have a soft spot for Treat Williams, and I like to point out that he's the villain in this film, and uh, a very young, vivacious Catherine Zeta Jones is in it as well. Oh, okay. Um, so right. there's, there are some selling points. Uh, Billy Zane, I don't know why they put that domino mask on him because the man's acting method is based 90% around his eyebrows. And they're covered. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck are you thinking? <laughs> but uh, the score is actually very, very good. Um, mm. It's not a great movie, not at all. Um, but it, it does have some selling points in the form of its cast and its score. Um, and those eyebrows, which are unveiled occasionally. Um, beside that, we have a movie that I know you covered on your show. Uh, that would be Becky, um, starring Kevin James. And I don't know the name of the gal. Uh, Lulu Wilson is her name. Um, you also got uh, the lovable Joel McHale in there. Just Hey, he's a local cast. hero. Hometown yeah? hero. Uh, yeah, oh. he's he's from Seattle. Oh, really? Okay, there you go. Yeah. You guys hold, hold him in a high, very high regard there? or Oh, Absolutely, he's the soup guy, <laughs> and 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 a later, you know, the community guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Spider-Man Two bank clerk guy. <laughs> oh yeah, he's done it all. He's but, done uh, it all. I think I think we can all agree Becky has been the height of his career. Um, no, maybe not quite, but uh, no, I, I I had fun with this film. Um, and it was a bit of a cool thing where uh, the uh, at least one of the directors they share an Instagram account. Uh, uh, responded to us when I posted about reviewing it and uh, commented on our review, and uh, that was pr- pretty cool thing. It hasn't really happened on a scale like that before. You know, a movie that with you know recognizable actors and directors who have done stuff that I've at least, maybe not seen, but at least know of. So yeah, it was a cool experience. And um, the film is it's you know not perfect, but it's a fun little sort of revenge movie, almost like an R-rated Home Alone sort of thing. But uh, yeah, it's worth checking out if you're in the mood for that sort of film. That's so cool that you got to hear from the director. Um, we should find a way to tag them on this episode so you can you know keep keep that channel open. Keep it going. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, yeah. I, I think that's cool. That you know, yeah. they they listened to what you had to say about, it, and hopefully you guys had a nice little conversation. Let me let's let, let me plug their names here if they uh, if they do listen. Love these guys. Um, maybe you can uh, edit out that sarcastic. Uh, comment i had about joel mchale <laughs> um, <laughs> no way man <laughs> jo- jonathan millot and or millot and carrie Murnion. so um yeah i i had fun with this film and it did it did make me want to check out their other films as well so okay well very cool um moving on down we have another uh, criterion release this would be a beau travail uh, from 1999 not familiar to me but it's a criterion so like we say here on the show pretty frequently uh, it's probably worth your time um, we have Stephen King five movie collection. Uh, about half of those are good. <laughs> Moving on though. Well, hang uh, on, hang on, hang on. Before we move on, mm. gotta say, real gross, really gross. How that's called the five movie collection, and one of them is The Stand, a miniseries. Ooh, yeah, good, good, good eye, Brad. Um, one of boycott. these things is not like the others. Yeah, <laughs> that's boycott. not cool. And, yeah, <laughs> one of these is a miniseries that's you know five hours long <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which we're calling a movie um 
yeah uh, Stephen King movies uh, especially from like the 80s and stuff I have a very soft spot for same um, here I Silver Bullet in particular is not good but for some reason I find it immensely watchable oh yeah <laughs> it's a fun film yeah yeah that anytime you have a self-titled theme song for your movie uh, you you get all the brownie points in the world from me yeah um, pet cemetery yeah, Silver Bullet has that pet cemetery uh cat's eye has one of my favorites because it's like a catchy dance beat at the end of it okay. <laughs> i'm trying to remember that one yeah yeah because uh, it's cat's eye <laughs> doot, 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 doot. <laughs> uh but bouncing on down here we have a jeremy renner in a jeffrey Dahmer movie from 2002 now talk why, about why? wanting to bury something now this is something that's been buried yeah for real wow why now <laughs> um we have uh oh uh this is one that i know only by like um reading some reviews about it but it's called jesus shows you the way to the highway uh on blu-ray from arrow um i forget which country in africa this comes out of but it is it is a incredibly strange film um, but apparently, if you can if you can get on board with it, it's worth your time. Um, just know straight up, it's pretty fucking weird, um, as evidenced by that cover art. But yeah. <laughs> it's it's a very eccentric film. Uh, it's certainly not for everyone. Um, but the kind of people who are interested in this kind of shit, uh, they know who they are. Um, it's not really my cup of tea, but I'm just throwing it out there. Uh, maybe for you, Brad. I don't know. But uh, we have a. A Willem Dafoe movie uh, called Tommaso from 2019. I saw a trailer for this a while back. Uh, actually looked pretty interesting. I don't have a clue what it's about, but it's Willem Dafoe, man. Like he's got he's got he's got those lines on his face. That's just like you put him on camera and it's instantly intriguing. Just something about the way the light catches his face. Yeah, and uh, the director, I'm trying to pull up his uh filmography now, but he's a pretty respectable director, Abel Ferreira, um, trying to look up anything he's done. Well, at least I know of his name. I don't know how he respected did bad he lieutenant. is. <laughs> yeah, bad he lieutenant. Yep, yep. The original so, bad lieutenant. So you know he's um, a respected director in some regard. I don't know. I don't know about nowadays, but mm, he also did the '90s Body Snatcher. That wasn't great. Um, although maybe he was an actor in that not the director but uh yeah he has a varied career but yeah Tommaso looked looked intriguing i have no idea what it's about um we have another arrow release something called uh ivan's is that supposed to be etc it's xtc period um, from 2000 that is most certainly danny houston i i recognize hey it, it plays right into my running gag about Danny Houston. The man never closes his mouth. Uh, it's always <laughs> hanging out just just a little bit. Um, interesting cover art. Kind of makes you think of Eraserhead a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an Arrow release, so it could be worth your time. I have no idea what it is, but cool cover. Um, Looks like Peter Weller's is... in there, too. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> mm, you uh, piqued my interest. <laughs> That's a selling point. Um Maybe he'll get him to shut his goddamn mouth at some point. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, rolling on down, though, uh, nothing else really jumping out to me. But uh, Spine Chiller, the cover art's kind of interesting. Uh, and it's from 2020. 
uh, which mm. is refreshing because uh, we've been having a lot of re-releases and uh, older releases. Uh, I have no idea what that is, but uh, it has like a Carpenter-esque quality to the font. Um, so I'm yeah. thinking it's a trashy horror film. Like not a, not a highbrow, like elevated horror, like the kids call it these days, but like uh, like a more of like a slasher type thing. Yeah. Um, so let's pop on down to September 22nd. Um, right out the gate, we have a huge profile release in the form of Full Metal Jacket um, on 4K. Um, dang. Uh, this is this is one, as far as I know, uh, all the uh, Kubrick releases as of late have been really, really high quality, as they should mm-hmm. be. Um, this is one that I might pick up. Um, I really do, and <laughs> I don't think enjoy is the right word in reference to Full Metal Jacket, but uh, I find it to be very interesting, and I do enjoy watching it. Yeah. I, I, I like it a lot, too. I mean, I know the cliche thing to say about this movie is the first half is great, but then the second half isn't very good or whatever. I, I still like the second. I still think the first half is probably the strongest, but I still enjoy the second half as well. Um, it, it, interesting out of his movies to put on 4K. Um, I mean, obviously, we've already had The Shining in 2001, uh, and I guess this one maybe is one of his more popular films i guess but i don't think it's like his most visually striking film um from what i can remember at least so kind of interesting that that one is on 4k um i think something like eyes wide shut is a little more visually uh interesting to look at and uh i have not seen what barry linden or whatever but i don't think those would probably sell as well yeah and like some of the editing and and uh, clockwork orange is pretty stunning as well that's right too. yeah 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 um, I think Spartacus came out a while ago, but that's generally thought of as like kind of a, a black sheep among his filmography, where it was like his studio picture. Where it's yeah. Like he, he made it, but doesn't have his fingerprints all over it like some of his other films. But mm-hmm. um, I'd have to check the release dates, but maybe they're doing like a release date order thing or something. Could so be. Eyes, yeah. wide, Eyes Wide Shut would obviously be, you know, the, the end of it. Um, it's funny. I remember when that movie came out. Um, Obviously, I didn't see it when it first came out. God, I was way too young. But <laughs> I remember when, when I saw the commercials for it, um, even as a child, the first thing that jumped out to me was that it looked old. Yeah. Like, I was like, something about it looks wrong. Um, and sure enough, just so happened that, you know, it had been on a shelf and, you know, he didn't, what, he didn't quite finish it or something? Is that yeah, the story? Yeah, some, something like that. It was, I mean, it took, they shot it for, it was a long, long shoot, I think, and it was in development for a long time. And, I don't know all the specifics of it, but um, I do. I I love Eyes Wide Shut, so I would I would love for that one to come out on 4K. I haven't seen it, but again, it's something I'd really like to check out. Yeah, and and uh, God damn it, the the classical music that plays over the trailer—it's probably in the movie. Um, it gets stuck in my head all the fucking time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'd really like to see that, and I'd also like to see um, one of the other 4K releases. Uh, that would be uh, Whiplash. Uh, from 2014 i i have not seen this um and it makes me sad because um, i've heard it's really really good even though miles teller's in it and i know uh, kyle has some problems with mr teller (laughs) well i can say uh i am usually not the biggest fan of mr teller as well but uh i love whiplash i think i believe it was my number one of that year and uh, i'm pretty sure it was somewhere on my best of the decade i think it was pretty high on my best of the decade actually yeah it's a great film um Really, that first viewing for me, partly because 
it just to- totally floored me. I I remember seeing the trailer for this, and I was like, ah, I don't know, it kind of doesn't look that great. It didn't didn't wow me, and I'd heard good things about it, good reviews, and I was like, well, you know, I'll go check it out, go see it. Went and saw it on my own, and just remember, like, you know, in terms of like going in with an expectation and coming out with a completely higher evaluation of what you thought you were going in for, this was a huge one. It was just like, well, right to the top, and uh, yeah, it's it's a really uh great film amazing editing in it it's it's awesome yeah i've heard it's a stellar production and jk simmons uh that is a selling point <laughs> yeah 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 he's so good in it. it he i mean honestly he makes what he does in the film look easy he's so good as this like just you know asshole music cheat teacher <laughs> and yet he's you know generally you know an affable character in most movies he's in yeah He's a, he's a, it seems like a really nice guy in real life, too. I mean, from everything yeah, I no. can tell. <laughs> he's what you describe as like a chameleon. Like, the guy yeah. the guy can do anything you ask him to. I mean, what, he played a, I think he played a skinhead in a, uh, Oz. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. played a really scary dude in that. Um, and in between all that, he's done all manner of things. He was just like, it. he plays a lot of FBI agents and just guys who wear suit coats and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. then his Jake. J. Jonah Jameson was so good that they had to bring him back. Yeah. And not only did they have to bring him back, when they made movies without him, there was a reason they made him without him because they were afraid to recast the role. Like the oh, Amazing yeah. Spider-Man movies, it's like, uh, we don't have a J.J. in this universe. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> why? It's like, because uh, J.K. was booked <laughs> and we're really afraid to cast anyone else. Um, but yeah, I I really need to see this because I've heard nothing but good things, um, and I'd really like to see him be nasty because I haven't oh, I yeah. haven't seen that done properly, and I know he has it in him. But um, moving on, we have many many re-releases, including a Rob Zombie trilogy box set of you know his his movies, his uh, uh, Hellbilly uh, trilogy, I guess you'd call it. Um, not the Halloween films. Um, we have From Dust Till Dawn and The Faculty, both uh, 90s kind of like kitschy horror classics, I guess, in their own right. Um, we have a Criterion release, uh, Christ Stopped at Eboli, or Ebola, from 1979. Not a title that's known to me, but again, probably worth your time. And then we have a curious box set here. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but are there four Scream films, Brad? There are, yeah. So why is this the Scream 3 movie collection? <laughs> I want to say that I is don't know when it... licensing, maybe? It could be, or I think there this 3 movie collection was out at some point. It might have been like early on in Blu-ray, like 2010 or something, before Scream 4 came out. And I'm wondering if this is just a complete re-release of that and they didn't bother redoing it and throwing the fourth one in there. I, I don't know, but uh, yeah, that is a little strange. Um, uh, that's called doing it wrong, especially considering that uh, they're actually in the middle of filming the newest one. Yeah. So they should be hyping that, you know, the right way as opposed to disappointing people by giving them a box set that's not complete. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe scream five is uh, you know, one of these new horror sequels that disregards certain sequels and it just, it disregards uh, Scream 4. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we've been doing that as of late. I mean, we had Halloween 2018. had mm-hmm. it, it went, uh, to to quote Willem Dafoe, back to formula <laughs> by uh, erasing all of them except for the first one. We, we do that with uh, Godzilla movies. Um, Godzilla fans know what I'm talking about, but uh, we do that with Godzilla movies 
literally every time we make a Godzilla movie for the most part. But um, yeah, that's a strange oddity. That's literally the only reason I wanted to point it out is that if memory serves, I think there's one missing. <laughs> yeah, and I, I quite like Scream 4 as well. Um, yeah, it, I think it's way better than 3 for sure. Oh, definitely, yeah. I'm I'm hesitant about Scream 5. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm excited that they're doing another one because I do like the franchise quite a bit. But, uh, you know, no Wes Craven. I don't know if Kevin Williamson has any involvement. And at this point, it's like, you know, they parodied horror films, sequels, trilogies, reboots. I mean, I, I guess I'm curious to see what they're going to do for this one, what they can, you know, poke fun at. But Well, I mean, bringing it back to animal attack movies, it's kind of like, not to sound like the old man in the room, but like I do kind of appreciate like a little bit of a back to basics approach to things. Like mm-hmm. I I don't mind the idea of just like a straight up slasher movie. <laughs> like it's it's almost a novelty these days because we've moved so far away from it with with the horror genre, but yeah. Um, yeah, I I'm I'm not optimistic, but at the same time I know I have it in me to be curious enough to check it out. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they're bringing back uh, most of the cast that has survived. So there you go. They'll probably live in this one as well. <laughs> yeah, Nev Campbell, I, I don't know if she's going to make it to the end of those credits. <laughs> I, that's what I thought with Scream 4, man, because, you know, the whole thing, they brought in this young cast, and I was like, oh, they're going to be passing the torch, and then they kill the entire young cast and keep all the old geezers around. <laughs> well, we'll see. Uh, like I said, I'll I'll probably end up checking it out. I'm not paying yeah. full price. Uh, I, I will do exactly like what I did with Scream 4 and Redbox that shit, but <laughs> I'll, I'll show up for Scream 5. But yeah, um, looks like we have a whole host of re-releases. I don't know exactly why, but um, I'm not even going to yeah. talk about most of this because there's so much of it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, <laughs> one that I will just mention offhand. Uh, Copland. Uh, we talked about this last time we spoke. Um, I... I I guess this is the world telling me, yeah, Trevor, you should probably get around to watching Copland. Um, but yeah, oh my God, so many re-releases. I'm, I'm scrolling through rows and rows and rows of them. Uh, we have something from 2020, though, called Baby Teeth. Um, I don't know anything about this, but it's from 2020. That's literally the only reason I'm bringing it up. Um, mm-hmm. It has the millennial pink font on the, on the title, so you know somebody's going to buy it. Um, <laughs> uh, moving on, though dang man it's just like flooded with re-releases um another that i'll mention just offhand extract uh that movie's garbage um i was really looking forward to it because it is a mike judge live action film and of course he gave us office space and if you ask me one of the best uh tv shows of of my lifetime king of the hill (laughs) um extract is garbage (laughs) it's it it makes you feel icky and it's just not good. It's not even funny. Um, but moving on down, we have some real dirty anime. Um, potentially hentai. Not positive. Not going to look into it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a Japanese film that I will point out. And I will fucking buy. Uh, I have no idea why this is coming out on Blu-ray. Um, especially since I don't think the first one ever came out in this country on Blu-ray. Uh, we have Zeram 2 from 1994. Holy fuck fucking shit i am excited about this i did not know this was coming out um this is from director uh, keita amemiya um look this guy up brad um his art is gorgeous um and 
even if he's not directing something, if he lent uh, like production design to the to the film or the series or what have you, it's gonna look good. Um, mm-hmm. And he's one of those guys that like for whatever reason made a lot of live action stuff, even though his design work seems like it's perfectly tailored for animation. I mean, he did make an animation, in fact, based on this series. Um, it was like an OVA series that also came out in the 90s, I think right after, or at least parallel to this film. Um, but yeah, for whatever reason, he prefers to work in live action. And seeing seeing them like work in a low-budget environment and try to realize his drawings in live action, it's just really charming to me. Where it's like, you know, it's like typical like Japanese sci-fi television, tokusatsu stuff, where it's, you know, guys in big rubbery monster suits and uh, people with firecrackers strapped to them to serve as pyrotechnics. And uh, sci-fi props as brought to you by uh, somebody with a hot glue gun and a garage full of scrap. It's, <laughs> it's I think scrappy is like the best way to describe the, the atmosphere of the production. It's like, yeah, we, we didn't have the most resources, but God damn it, everybody tried. And we had a wonderful art director behind it. And uh, yeah, these movies, um, they've been on the prospective episode list for our show for quite some time because uh, they have a very special place in my heart. Um, but I can't pull the trigger on them because I'm afraid that Kyle will tear them a new one <laughs> because they're not very good. And you you kind of have to like play into what they're laying down. Like You, yeah. you have to get on board with the vibe. I guess kind of similar to like hocus pocus like if you come at it from the wrong angle you're, you're gonna have a bad time but if if you're there for it if you're there for the campy atmosphere whatever maybe that's the right time i just can't find the right time for this fucking movie <laughs> um, yeah yeah that might be a little uncomfortable if uh you're over here talking about how much you love it and then uh just to slowly watch it just get torn apart get torn a new one might be might be a little rough for you i I mean that's generally why we don't talk about movies i love on the show very often (laughs) because i'm very i'm very protective of my children (laughs) and this and zadram 2 is one of my kids and uh also uh just to close things out on that one i just want to throw it out there that uh i had this movie on dvd i had um all of this director's movies except for the the garo uh tv series which i bootlegged a long time ago <laughs> i i owned all of them on dvd uh except this movie i lent uh to one of my college professors and then he had a stroke and left the college and i never got it back <laughs> really <laughs> yeah really? well two <laughs> questions two questions mm. i guess i should make this the first question is he doing okay and the yes. second question is uh how are you going to get that back <laughs> i'm not um, he's he's not fully recovered, but he's alive and he's talking yeah. to folks and stuff. But I'm not getting it back. <laughs> so. I gotta be honest. This sounds like an episode of Seinfeld. Like you are George, who gave something to somebody. They had a stroke, and you have to go over to their place and pretend to be concerned, and I mean, not pretend to be concerned, but you're you know the main focus would be to get the movie back. And then you you know you get found out and you get kicked out or whatever like that's that's a Seinfeld episode right there. Yes, this is my what beaver skin cap that I yeah. I intentionally yeah. left at your apartment for an excuse to come back to your apartment. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this this is a Seinfeld episode. Unfortunately, yeah. uh, as much as I do identify with George Costanza, I don't have it in me to, to no, do that no, to that I man. Don't blame <laughs> so yeah. I'll no, just... the main thing is I'm glad that he's uh, he's doing okay. That's the main thing, obviously. Yeah. So. Uh, 
I'll I'll leave him to enjoy my DVD and I'll buy a replacement Blu-ray, which hopefully I bet he watches it every day too. I bet you. I fucking told that guy. (laughs) (laughs) He probably faked the stroke just so he could keep it. Uh, but let's move on <laughs> to the uh, the final release week here. Um, we have September 29th. Um, we have a Criterion release for one that I know you probably are going to buy. If not, uh, you probably have it pre-ordered, Brad. Uh, what am I talking about here? Uh, that is David Lynch's The Elephant Man, which uh, I have not bought. I will uh, pick it up in the next Criterion sale, though. But uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I love David Lynch, one of my favorite filmmakers, and uh, crazy that it took this long to finally come out on uh, Blu-ray in North America. I know a lot of people say that Criterion uh, is pr- known for being pretty slow in putting out the movies they buy the rights to. Like they'll kind of sit on it for a while, really. You know, they put out, like, amazing products, so maybe it's them, you know, wanting to get all the supplemental features they can, you know, really working on the transfers. So it's, this has been rumored for a while to be coming from Criterion. And, uh, yeah, I definitely will be watching it. And uh, it's not my favorite Lynch. It kind of feels a little bit like what we were talking about with Stanley Kubrick, his, sort of his, well, I guess Dune would be maybe more his studio film. But this one is certainly, like, a little Oscar baity, but it's still got that Lynch element to it. It's just not quite as, you know, something like Eraserhead or some of his other films that he would make down the pipeline. It's a film that you could watch with your, uh, you know, your aunt or your grandma or your, you know, your aunt's friend who has mimosas every morning. You know, you could watch it with anybody pretty much. It's just, uh, um, it's that kind of film. But yeah, it's it's very good. Yeah, it's a uh, it's one that really like to check out someday i seem to remember my parents uh liking it quite a bit um Mm -hmm. i don't know what that says about my parents but (laughs) (laughs) yeah apparently this was a a hit in the household but yeah yeah criterion release that's that's awesome yeah Um, yeah yeah. beside that we have one that i think you also have a soft spot for um this would be ghost ship Uh, is this a scream factory release yeah it is a scream factory release i've never seen this one actually um I have seen the opening sequence uh, just on we, YouTube. We, we all have, Brad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I might pick this up eventually, maybe wait for a sale price, because uh, I haven't heard many good things about the rest of the film, but uh, it's always one that's kind of, you know, eluded me and I've always been curious about. But I mean, it fits so neatly into that, that weird niche of late 90s, early 2000s horror. It's yeah. Like haunted house horror that made a huge comeback, except we... Instead of having it just be ghosts, it has to be like a gore fest on top of being about ghosts. Mm-hmm. Like House on Haunted Hill is what I'm kind of, and 13 Ghosts and Ghost yeah. Ship. Yeah, and all, I, I all love House on Haunted Hill, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I haven't seen Ghost Ship in its entirety probably since it first came out. Um, I, I think I mixed you up with Kyle. I think he has okay. a soft spot for this one. But yeah, that that uh, that uh, opening sequence, as the kids say, slaps. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's It's quite good. Um, beside that, though, we have a ultra super duper boutique release of something called Alphabet City from 1984. This is from a distributor named uh, Fun City Editions, mm. which apparently have this is their second disc. Um, so I don't know this movie. I don't know the distributor. But again, if if uh, you've probably never heard of it is something you like to say at parties and stuff. Um, maybe this is the <laughs> title for you. Um 
We have uh, the Jaws 3 movie collection. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, so this is Jaws 2 through 4. That would be Jaws the Revenge. Um, <laughs> none of these are good. Uh, Jaws 2 is acceptable, uh, but it is certainly not great, nor do... All three of these combined do not measure up to half of the first film. But um, Jaws 3, if it if it doesn't come with the 3D glasses, then why would you even bother? That's fair. That's fair. I think the only time I watched Jaws 3 was uh, recorded on uh, from television onto a VHS. So, I mean, that's I mean, I'm even more a step down. I didn't have 3D. I, I had commercial breaks in between my <laughs> viewing of Jaws 3. You know, honestly, I do kind of miss watching movies that way, though. Like mm-hmm. that that's how I experienced Batman Returns. You know, my favorite Batman movie was with commercial breaks and uh, yep. a lot of unnecessary edits that made the movie borderline incomprehensible and you know you had to address the tracking every once in a while too (laughs) because the the image would start flipping and shit but yeah uh this box set is not good but uh you know again animal attacks like if this if any one of these movies was on tv i would probably stop for a minute (laughs) depending on what part of the movie we're at I mean, I'm going to throw it out there. I might pick this up because it's only $14.99, and I don't own any of the sequels on Blu-ray. So this seems cheaper than buying the individual re- releases, and it's a three-disc set, so I think they all have their own discs. So uh, this this could be in my future. Oh, shit. I, I, I didn't know about the $14.99 thing. It's um, a pretty good price, even though they're yeah. all, you know. I'd say I, I'd pay, pay fourteen ninety nine for Jaws two on Blu ray. It's almost just like you're getting three and four as a bonus, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I'd be very curious about is if the uh, I I seriously doubt at fourteen ninety nine. I seriously doubt it would have it, but um, Jaws four has an alternate ending um, mm. that that I think I saw because um, there's two different endings to the movie. Um, sometimes Mario Van Peebles lives. Sometimes he doesn't. <laughs> depending on which version of the movie you're watching and uh sometimes the shark's head explodes and sometimes it doesn't uh and sometimes the shark gets impaled uh by the boat and sometimes he doesn't um if it came with the alternate ending uh yeah i, I would actually pay real money for that but i seriously doubt it would include that well i, I did some research here and i'm assuming that this is the same release as when they were released individually i'm guessing this is just the same package yeah. i think that's what i'm seeing here um and i'm looking on blu-ray forums jaws the revenge blu-ray bonus materials theatrical trailer and alternate ending so mm, god think, damn it brad <laughs> i think it might be in there i don't want to say 100 percent for sure but my research is telling me it is mm, god damn it brad you're gonna make me buy the goddamn shark movies <laughs> the lesser shark films but you know it's still a shark film so maybe but um moving on uh that cover art for killing birds is pretty fucking metal <laughs> i kind of love it uh from 1987 oh, wow. yeah. yeah yeah that's pretty fucking cool um and beside that we have an anime uh that i will mention a uh, wicked city uh this is an ova from 1987 uh, i think i had kyle watch this we didn't do an episode on it but he kept asking me about it uh, and eventually like i think he actually got around to watching it um this is from the director of ninja scroll uh, yoshiaki kawajiri uh, who we we have talked about on uh, on catching up on cinema before um again uh, look and feel this movie rocks to look at 
Um, but don't expect me to tell you what's about or who's who and what's what. Um, but uh, I have a GIF that I send to people pretty regularly from this movie, and I will send it to you, Brad, because it involves <laughs> a man punching another man so hard that his eyeballs come out. Nice. <laughs> Love and it. it's wonderful. <laughs> um, moving on down, uh, the only reason I'm going to mention it, it doesn't mean anything to me personally, but we have a movie called The Banker, which I believe that's Robert Forster's face on the cover. Um, oh, yeah, from yeah, yeah. 1989 the only reason I mentioned it is because of course Robert Forster has passed away um, yet I saw a trailer for a werewolf movie uh, that he's in that is coming out very soon um, and I love werewolf movies and Robert Forster's kind of cool too in fact in animal attack movies the man was in alligator <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> so, uh, yeah I'll watch Robert Forster fight a werewolf <laughs> in yeah. his last on screen role <laughs> I think that's how I would have wanted it, to be honest. That's <laughs> probably in his last will and testament. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, if they release the last of my works, make sure the werewolf one is the last one. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a uh, Criterion box set of uh, Martin Scorsese's World Cinema Project, uh, number three. So I'm guessing these are many films from many directors uh, from around the world. Uh I'm not familiar yeah. with this. Uh, have you been following the this uh, series, Brad? Uh, I remember when one of them came out before, um, or maybe I remember when this one was announced. I don't know. I remember hearing about this, uh, but yeah, I don't know too much about it, but I, I'm assuming that's what it is, you know, different directors from different countries and all kind of compiled by Scorsese. Um, so yeah, kind of interesting. Um, yeah, not going to necessarily drop that much coin on this, Uh as much as I take uh, Martin Scorsese's word to heart, I would maybe check out some of these films just uh, separately before I buy the entire Criterion box set. But Gotcha. Um, we have a film called Cruel Jaws from 1995. The uh, cover art is probably intentionally bad. Um, I'll just throw it out there. We have a couple of actors who have also passed away. Um, we have uh, Genesis 2 and Planet Earth box set uh, with John Saxon and that toupee with those eyebrows as well as uh thomas and the magic railroad which uh, as far as i know george carlin is in from the year 2000 oh wow um, that, that's yeah. a shocker um and then we have something called sometimes aunt martha does dreadful things from a uh, distributor called agfa who as far as i know they put out the schlockiest of schlock films like we're talking like bad schlock. Like you gotta you gotta be a little bit drunk and in the mood kind of schlock, um, in order to have any kind of appreciation. So uh, people that can appreciate that kind of stuff, you know who you are. Um, moving on. I own one uh, of their movies on Blu-ray. I'll just throw that out there. Um, which which one is it? <laughs> um, uh, what is it? It's the alien abduction one. McPherson uh, tapes. McPherson tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't blame you. The cover art for that is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's only an hour, so I was like, well, all right, I'm in. Have you watched it? Uh, no, no, I haven't found an hour of free time since I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get back to me when you watch it, because I've heard all some right. shit about some of the movies in their catalog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, because I, I do remember we talked about the McPherson tapes, uh, I think, on one of these Catching Up on Blu-ray episodes, and both of us were like, oh, that cover art looks good, and then I looked into it after the fact, and I was like, oh, no, <laughs> what, mm -hmm. what is Brad getting himself into? Um, but 
what else we got here? Uh, we got, um, is that Jamie Lannister in the I think it is the silencing, yeah. Yeah, it's the only reason I throw it out there is it's from 2020, and is that a Lionsgate, Brad? Is I believe it looks like it. It's it looks a like Lionsgate. It. <laughs> <laughs> it is a Lionsgate. How did I know? <laughs> um, anything else jumping out at you, Brad? Uh, not really. I mean, there's a lot of stuff here, but, uh, nothing really jumping out. Gotta be honest. A lot of stuff I've never heard of or just, you know, co- movie collections of stuff that's already come out before. Yeah. I, I get a lot of, um, I follow a lot of, uh, like martial arts actors and directors and stuff like movies of that nature. So I've been getting a lot of, uh, advertisements, uh, for this legend of Tomiris movie. Um, I, don't know what country it originates from but i want to say it's like a a central asian country like probably neighboring russia or or thereabouts um but yeah i've been getting a lot of trailers for it lately just because you know google knows who i am and what i like (laughs) um i'm not gonna watch it but uh it's apparently a high profile release from whatever country it originates from um but yeah, I think that's about it. Um, just to wrap things up, though, um, you want to run back through the catalog and just point out anything you think you might pick up? Yeah, I will probably eventually get Beetlejuice 4K. Um, I've already gotten the uh, Little Monsters and Shivers uh, from Vestron. Um, what else was there? Roman Holiday, potentially, at some point as well. Wait for a price drop on that, um, and that's that's probably it. Maybe, maybe if I'm if it gets really cheap, maybe I'd pick up the uh, Rob Zombie trilogy, um, and and the Elephant Man and Ghost Ship. Can't forget about those. But yeah, yeah that's Ele- about Elephant it. Man, I would put at the top of your list. You're a, you're a yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I forgot that was coming out so soon. I, I mean, the reason I'm not going to get it until November, till the next Criterion sale. So. To me, it doesn't exist until then. So. <laughs> well, I mean, just the fact that you're in the know, where it's like, you know, yeah. just sit on your hands for a, a month or two, and it'll be half price. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Don't don't rush. Plus, you've seen it before. But um, yeah. for me, uh, I already got Blue- Beetlejuice on 4K, uh, so got that covered. Um, if Rogue is becomes available on a streaming service, I, I'll watch it. Like I'll probably I'll probably uh, paint one of the aforementioned model kits that I I've made my my daily hobby while I'm watching it. So I'll look up whenever you know I hear lion noises or gunfire. Yeah, yeah. But in between all that, you know, I'll probably be tuning it out and just painting or something. But it's a good model kit movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, that that's that's a that's a a genre of film in my household. <laughs> it's like what can I put? Like fuck, I watched a uh, uh, basic uh, John McTiernan's basic the other day. Um, just because I'd saw it, I saw it in the nineties and I was like, sure, I don't need to pay attention to this. <laughs> like it's, it's not exactly great. Um, but it's good to paint too. Um, mm-hmm. I might pick up ghost in the shell on 4k, even though I already have it on blu-ray. Um, I'm sorry, Orlando bloom. I know you, you, you're clutching that sledgehammer, but I'm not going to pay money to see you hit people with that. Ouch! Um, Ouch! Yeah, I know. I know that's it's that's a blow to him. I'm sure. But, <laughs> um, uh, I'm not gonna buy the Phantom. Although at some point I do suspect we are gonna cover it for the show. Um, might spend some money on Full Metal Jacket. 
just because you know that movie's been on my mind lately probably because we talked about the deer hunter last time we spoke mm-hmm. um, so vietnam's kind of on the mind yeah uh zayram 2 yeah i gotta i gotta replace that dvd i lost to the stroke victim <laughs> uh jaws 4, finally time uh the jaws box set you know it that alternate ending does mean something to me, but it's a that's a maybe. So yeah, uh, even though it does, even though we came out swinging saying that uh, you know this month seemed like a stronger month for releases, at the same time it does kind of feel like probably not gonna pick up that many things from this month. Uh, yeah, but anyway, it, it lent itself well to a spirited discussion though. So, oh, definitely. Um, yeah, I think that call that draws things to a close so uh brad uh before we go though do you want to let the folks at home know where they can find uh you and all your other uh podcast products and whatnot yeah uh cinema cinema speak podcast is uh the name of the podcast so wherever you listen to podcasts itunes stitcher spotify just search for cinema speak um also on twitter at the cinema speak or instagram cinema speak podcast and then our sort of sort of website is cinemaspeak.libsyn.com. Oh, thanks for that, Brad. Um, and, of course, we'll include links to all your stuff in the show notes and whatnot. So, um, yeah, definitely check out Cinemaspeak. It's a great resource for um, as contemporary movies as we can get these days. <laughs> um, <laughs> we try our more, best. Yeah, and more often than not, spoiler-free, which I know a lot of people appreciate. But um, mm-hmm. if you want to check out uh, our other stuff, uh, we do have a website. You can find us at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, and we also have a couple of social media accounts in the form of an Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as a Twitter at Catching Cinema. Uh, so feel free to hit me up at either of those accounts if you have any, uh, you know, complaints or suggestions for future episodes. Uh, but yeah, that being said, uh, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we will catch you next time. <laughs> <laughs>